being on social media and me getting tagged in so many videos from things that are happening on social media, seeing the source of misinformation, like as it's happening is just the most fascinating thing. And and on TikTok, it goes viral. So there was this guy that came out a few months ago and he said, I went to my psychiatrist and my psychiatrist told me that my topical retinol was causing my depression. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, and that what? went absolutely viral. Exactly. And it's it's just one video, you know, someone can say anything. And then you see that just replicating and everyone's sharing it and everyone's commenting on it and they're telling their friends like, oh, maybe, oh, wait, I'm depressed. Oh, wait, I use retinol. <laughs> it's like, whoa, yeah. like this link has now just happened. And it's like, wait a minute, this is not based on anything, <laughs> you know? This is Well Connected by Murad, the digital magazine and podcast that connects the dots between science and wellness. I'm Dr. Zion Ko, a board-certified internal medicine physician. I'm passionate about combining my Korean heritage with Western-based medical training to help people take care of their skin and live their best life. And I'm very excited to be your host for this episode. One thing I found myself having to do a lot on social media is debunk myths and misinformation about skincare methods and products. There's so much information being pushed at us that it can be difficult to weed through what's rooted in research and facts and what's just marketing. But no one does this myth busting better than my guest, the derm doctor himself, Dr. Maneeb Shah. He's a dermatologist and a TikTok influencer whose motto is education, not influence. He's grown a massive following on social media by debunking skincare meds and guiding people in the right direction when it comes to their skin and overall health. In a day when you can post TikTok and Instagram from anywhere in the world, I think it's crazy that we've both started out based in the Carolinas. What a small world. If it hadn't been for COVID, we would have hung out in Riceville Beach. Dr. Shaw, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Zion. I really appreciate it. And we love Wrightsville Beach, of course, if we have our sunscreen. <laughs> that is so true. And I'm sure we'll get there today. Um, before we bust some myths, we both know that overall health is very much reflected in our skin. I want to know what's the number one thing you're obsessed with right now when it comes to taking care of yourself. Yeah, that's actually, it's sort of a, lately I, for a long time, I've taken really good care of my skin and that's been the main focus of my self-care, honestly. When I have downtime, I take care of my skin and I really just enjoy the whole process of skincare. But really lately, I'm realizing that, you know, everything is connected and I'm trying to focus more on my diet and exercise lately just because I realize like, yeah, you can take care of your skin, but there's the rest of the body that needs some love too. And so I'm trying to not only just focus on skincare, but other things as well. So definitely trying to eat better. And of course, I've been focusing a lot more on moisturizing than using a lot of actives lately in my skincare routine. I very much agree with that. I mean, ever since the pandemic, I've taken a step back to really consider what health is and what to prioritize. And I've changed my whole view in how I pursue health and kind of looking at it holistically and seeking balance in physical, mental, spiritual states, because I feel like when they're in harmony, we're able to really fully experience life's flow. And I have a saying that when we're in life's flow, our skin will glow. 
<laughs> oh, so. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely true. And you can tell even someone's skin is reflected by their mood and everything around it. So everything is so tightly intertwined. And in medicine, we study everything in systems, right? Like you study right. cardiology, that's yeah. the heart, you know, and it's yeah. everything is connected and we look at them like they're not sometimes, but it is also interconnected and so important. Oh, I love that. So I know so many people want to do the right thing when it comes to skincare, but it can be super overwhelming. One myth I love to talk to you about today is the idea that all ingredients work the same in all products, which get to the larger issue of ingredients and formulations in general. But let's start with the debunking. Why is this a myth? Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting because it's all we have, right? When you're a consumer or even, you know, dermatologists, and you're looking at the back of a skincare product, you really, all you have to go off of is, you know, the brand that you're particularly looking at, and then the ingredient list, and that's kind of how you're going to make decisions. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like when you make a meal at a restaurant, you know, you may use the same steak or the same asparagus, but it doesn't always taste the same, depending on who cooks it and how it comes together. So if you look at skincare formulation, like creating a meal, you know, you have good cooks and you have bad cooks, right? And so at the end of the day, it really is not just uh, what ingredients are in there, uh, but also how they come together in a skincare product. But it is difficult to know from a consumer perspective, what's going to be a good cook until you start actually trying different foods. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I love the cooking to skincare analogy. I think that's so true. We can put the same, you know, me and my husband can put the same ingredients in the spices and it'll come out completely different. And well, I think who's that's is how better? <laughs> it's actually Kevin. Okay. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I am actually a terrible cook. I, I hate to admit it, but yeah, he would agree. <laughs> he would agree. Well, <laughs> he at least he's agree. honest. It's okay, though. <laughs> I'll get there one day. Um. So why do things like fragrance and preservatives get such a bad rep right now? Everything kind of starts with a little bit of truth. (laughs) And then with that truth, it's kind of like a game of telephone and things kind of go wild with it. And they kind of get blown out of proportion. And then you find yourself on social media either taking one of two sides that this ingredient is either horrible or it's the best thing ever. And usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. And that's what I always kind of say on my platform is that, you know, it's nice to be polarizing, but at the end of the day, everything is sort of in the middle. And uh, specifically when it comes to preservatives and fragrances, there is a truth that's somewhere in the middle. With fragrance, it comes down to benefits versus risks for me. And if there are, there are some brands that make two of the same product identical products. One has fragrance, one doesn't have fragrance. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that usually from a sales perspective, the more popular product is the one with fragrance in it because it it adds to the experience of skincare, which is important to people because like we were saying earlier, skincare is also self-care and having a nice product that smells good and feels good on the skin is is important too. Uh, For me, if there's two products held equal, exactly the same ingredients, same manufacturer, same company, same formulation, same chef, so to say, I would go for the fragrance-free product personally, just because, you know, there is a risk, you know, very, very small risk that you could have an allergy to that product. But sometimes there is no other option and there is fragrance in that product. And for me, if it's a good product, the benefit may outweigh the risk. And I think I sometimes like to enjoy my skincare products. 
Yeah. And I think for me, because my skincare routine is such a big part of how I meditate and how I take time to take care of myself, that like sensorial experience I get is super important to me. So knowing that I'm not sensitive at all to it and often it really does depend on the brand and what kind of fragrance is in it. But um, if formulated correctly, I think I choose that actually the fragrance. So I think it's cool that we have, you know, different opinions on that. That's interesting. So it's not just about the chef. It's also about the uh, person eating the food too, exactly. right? And their interpretation yeah, of what, yeah. and I actually enjoy the fact that there are differing opinions in skincare. Um, are there ingredients that work really well together? Well, I think that there are definitely ingredients that work really well together and they complement each other and what they accomplish. I think one of the ones that I really like is retinol and, and niacinamide. That's definitely a product that and ingredients together, you know, they definitely complement each other and can have added benefits. You know, hyaluronic acid and glycerin, you know, both humectants and moisturizers. And so complementary to each other. You definitely can have pro- ingredients that compound each other, make each other better together in one skincare product. And then other ones that may sort of <laughs> contradict each other or when used together may cause irritation. So when we talk about something like retinol and an acid like salicylic acid or glycolic acid. Now, together, those can both be irritating ingredients, but in the right formula with the right chef, they can actually work together really, really well to actually increase the benefit of both. Yes. Synergistic effects for sure. I think um, if I had to name a few that I really like together would be vitamin C and vitamin E and ferulic acid. I really do like that combination. Um, yeah, absolutely. Those those two together, those three together have actually shown to increase the stability and efficacy of all three ingredients. And so that's why, you know, formulation and testing these products together is so important. Now, if you were to take, you know, I do like those ingredients together, but if you took like a vitamin E capsule and broke it apart and then mixed it with a vitamin C in, in your kitchen, <laughs> yeah. like we don't know if it's going to have that same benefit because there's so much that goes into it from pH of it to the preservatives that are in it to the ingredients that give it its texture. And so once you take it out of proper formulation, then you can get into trouble. But those ingredients formulated in the right skincare product can have amazing benefits. For sure. You don't want Zion cooking is basically what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just don't have the time for the DIY stuff. I mean, I've tried it and it gets messy, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Do they have to be in the same product or does layering work just as well? Yeah, that's a good question. And the answer, we're, we don't really know. So if you have a salicylic acid product and a retinol product or a glycolic acid product, if you mix those together, will they both still work? Or are you going to be altering their pH and making both of them less effective? And we just we really don't know. And you'll probably be okay as long as you don't experience irritation with it. But that's why, you know, finding a product that formulates all of these together can be really beneficial because then you know that they've gone through stability testing and you know that they've been tried on several people before they've gone to market and you know that they're going to be effective. And so when you mix two ingredients together and you may alter their pH, um, you may make one ineffective, you may make the other more effective, which could lead to irritation. So you really just don't know. I think there's certain ingredients where I feel pretty comfortable laying like your hyaluronic acid and your niacinamide tend to be very stable ingredients. But when you're using acids and retinols, you you really just don't know when it comes to formulation when you're making them yourself. Right. So then that brings us to, you know, 
asking, are there any combinations that people should be definitely avoiding? Yeah, there. well, we know that benzoyl peroxide and retinol, um, when mixed mm-hmm. together, um, can oxidize and make uh, the retinol ineffective, essentially. And so that's, that's going to pretty much apply to most over-the-counter retinols, some formulations of tretinoin. Now, there are newer formulations of tretinoin that are stable in the presence of benzyl peroxide or adapalene being present, uh, uh, stable in the presence of, of benzyl peroxide. But, you know, your over-the-counter retinol and your benzyl peroxide could definitely inactivate each other, making, you know, the retinol less effective. And so that's one combination I tell people to avoid. But if you're somebody who wants benzyl peroxide in your skincare routine and you're using retinol... I think it would be reasonable to use a benzyl peroxide as a wash-off product and then use the retinol as a leave-on product, and you probably won't have that issue with interaction. So that's a one that I say, you know, avoid. But these other ones where, some, where people, and you see this often on social media, people will say, you can't use salicylic acid or glycolic acid with a retinoid. And that, that hasn't been shown in studies to really cause issues um, other than being limited by the fact that they can both cause irritation on the skin together. And that's right, why it's so important right. to listen to your skin uh, as an individual, right? Skin care is not one size fits all for sure. So that brings us to our next myth, which is that everything we see on TikTok about skincare is true. Of course, it's not. Dr. Shaw, any advice for how to know what videos and social media you can trust? Yeah, that is so tough, <laughs> right? Because we know um, that misinformation spreads about six times faster than good information does. And so when you see something going viral, you should always, no matter what the source is, really be skeptical to some extent, right? Luckily, you know, I think that TikTok was the first place where we sort of see, I think the duet function and the stitch function, and those who are listening who aren't familiar with those, um, basically what you do is someone posts a video and then someone can respond to that video um, by putting a video right next to them in a response. And no other social media platform initially had this function. Um, and so you can directly respond to misinformation as a physician on, on, on TikTok, which is just amazing. So, uh, you know, I think we all do this thing where we respond to videos and we're able to kind of stomp out misinformation where it starts. But, um, you know, definitely when things are going viral, always be skeptical. Don't be the first person to jump on the bandwagon with anything. There are a lot of physicians and estheticians and, and people on social media uh, that tend to be very credible, um, even without outside of that space. You know, just some skincare influencers tend to produce really reliable content that you can rely on. But if you see something going viral, uh, always <laughs> ask yourself, why haven't I heard of this before? <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, let's talk about some of the craziest things we've seen on TikTok. Oh, my. There's so many. (laughs) I I feel like I'm always going through some... There's always, like, the topic of the day for me. It's like, oh, this thing's going viral. It's like, we got to... We really have to address it. And so it's like, you know, a few months ago, it was like the chlorophyll, drinking chlorophyll was going to solve all your problems. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the whole chlorophyll? all your problems. I mean, you know, what's actually kind of funny is that <laughs> I I called my mom and I was like, hey, do you rem- like I recall when I was like 10 that they used to put this droplet in their water um, and we did it for years. And I asked if that was chlorophyll and it was. So wow. like, <laughs> OK, so this is so fascinating, which is why I love talking to you is because you have such a different background than me. And it, it's really interesting because 
all of these sort of like home remedies that you know you get from your Korean mom, I believe you know that they're so they're rooted in you know tradition that actually has shown evidence through just the longevity of how long these traditions have lasted. And so I, I come from like sort of a different perspective. And so when we see the things that you do, it's different, but I love it. Yeah, but I'm not here to say chlorophyll is about to solve all the problems, <laughs> though. <laughs> I mean, do you remember um, there was a phase, especially the summer, where people were contouring their face with sunscreen? You know what? Actually, um, <laughs> I, I did. I did like do a sort of press story. Some one of the press reached out to me, and I, and I talked about this, and I actually said, you know what? This one isn't the worst, you know, and you know why I don't think it's the worst. (laughs) You know, it sounds horrible and everything, but okay. So you have people, they're outside, they're in the sun, they're enjoying their, you know, their time at the beach, but we want them to be protected, right? And so what these people were doing was they were using a base layer of SPF 30, and then they were using a like contouring layer of SPF 50 on top of that um, to basically contour their skin. And I said, well, ideally, I don't want anyone to get tan at all. But at least they had the base protection of 30, which is what's recommended by the American Academy of Dermatology. And so I said, you know what? This is not the worst thing I've seen, though I don't recommend it. I I kind of felt like, okay, like if people are protecting themselves and they're getting a little bit of a contour, I'm not horribly against (laughs) it. Yes. And, you know, I did do it at the viral video that one of the viral videos regarding that. And I was bashed in a lot of the comments that um, I would be supportive of to some some degree, but I'm kind of with you on that. As long as they are using the base SPF, Um, I believe there are some videos that I saw that they weren't even doing that at all. Yeah, I think it's like if done right, I think the initial video started with a... It, right, done right as if there's a right way it's funny because i do try to give tips like it's like well you know if you're going to do it this is the right way to do it it's like, right because know. people are going to do it people are still going to pick their skin so might as well tell them how I to pop a pimple correctly. if there's a right way to do it yeah exactly yeah so recently we've seen this uh it's so fascinating like being on social media and me getting tagged in so many videos from things that are happening on social media, seeing the source of misinformation like as it's happening is just the most fascinating thing. And and on TikTok, it goes viral. So there was this guy that came out a few months ago and he said, I went to my psychiatrist and my psychiatrist told me that my topical retinol was causing my depression. I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and that went absolutely viral. Viral. The number of DMs I got, yeah. Like, should I stop my retinol? Exactly, exactly. And it's it's just one video, you know, someone can say anything and then you see that just replicating and everyone's sharing it and everyone's commenting on it and they're telling their friends like, oh, maybe, oh wait, I'm depressed. Oh wait, I use retinol. <laughs> it's like, whoa, yes. like this link has now just happened and it's like, wait a minute, yes. this is not based on anything, <laughs> you know, topical retinol exactly. definitely doesn't cause depression. Exactly. So then we get on there, you know, as physicians and we're like, no, 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 hold on, freeze. You know, if you stop your retinol, you may break out and you'll be more depressed. <laughs> like continue yes. it, please. Yes. So I guess the big question here is then who, how do we know who to trust? Yeah, I mean, you know, science-based information is just so important. Um, you know, anecdotes are great, and people love anecdotes. And it, like, for example, like if I make a video, and I know this from just personally making videos, if I go on a video and I say, you know, there was a study, it was a meta-analysis of a hundred different studies, and it showed <laughs> that 
tretinoin is the most effective ingredient for anti-aging. Like, say I said that. Um, people would be like, yeah, whatever. But if I went on and I said, I used a retinoid and it made my skin the best it's ever been, <laughs> people are like, whoa, we need that product. And it's just the right. way that like that personal right. experience for people adds so much value. And so it's tough, but really using science-backed information is where you're going to see the best results with your skincare products. Um, but a lot of people like that anecdote. So I feel like combining anecdote with science is really the best way to, to reach people and also put out reliable information. Right. But going back to TikTok, you know, TikTok hasn't been all bad. It's been an amazing platform to share truly great hacks and tips when it comes to wellness um, and debunking myths like the duets that we were talking about. And, you know, I've made many videos sharing some DIY home remedies passed down from my Korean mom. To name a few would be, you know, the cucumber trick, the potato hack, Fermented rice water for your hair, aloe, banana peels, honey, the list goes on, even facial massage techniques. But, you know, they may have not had evidence-based medicine found in RCTs, and these tips have been passed down for thousands of years. And when you didn't have access to the near Sephora or drugstore or even social media, you know, I like to also keep in mind that many of the products that we may discuss may not be always accessible to our viewers, whether it would be logistics or financial. So the question I have for you is, what DIY tips from TikTok do you stand by? There's a couple, right, that I think are rooted in evidence. Um, honey being some uh, an ingredient that has sort of antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory properties, and that some wound care doctors really swear by. Um, and so it does have the ability to sort of repair the skin and have antibacterial properties, specifically Manuka honey being sort of the best mm -hmm. form of this honey. And then turmeric, which is rooted, you know, deeply... Turmeric is rooted deeply in my, my culture and does have tons of studies to support its benefit um, throughout various fields of medicine, but even within the skincare realm. And sort of the limitation for me is like, okay, well, if you go to the grocery store and you buy some turmeric in the packets, like, are you really getting enough <laughs> of the active ingredient to have a benefit? Right. And that's sort of the problem you run into because they've actually studied, they, they've gone as far as to actually study the curcumin, which is the active form of, of turmeric. In, in, in different batches throughout the grocery stores and they found that it can vary up to 500%. And so you don't really have a stable form when you do a DIY, but I do like turmeric as a DIY because of how rooted it is in my culture. But if you could somehow create products that were you know based in some of these home remedies um, that could isolate the benefits of them and create really good skincare products around them, I think it would be really beneficial. So what's your, what's your favorite hack that you grew up with and you really stand by? I think, you know, I have to say probably the cucumber trick. I um, always buy cucumbers whenever I go to the grocery store and it's always, it's been a habit. Like I know that there's always going to be frozen cucumbers in my mom's fridge when growing up. So I'll just get up in the morning and when making coffee, I'll like, you know, go to the freezer, get the frozen cucumbers and just depuff. Um, and the last myth I'd really like to break today is the idea that doctors are perfect when it comes to skin regimens. So it's confession time. Dr. Shaw, what skin sins are you guilty of? What I'm most guilty of is... <laughs> 
Well, there's a lot, right? Because <laughs> I definitely don't practice what I preach. You know, I always say this, uh, you know, it's like, do as I say, not, not as I do. And doctors, they say, are the worst patients. So oh, yes, uh, you know, I definitely don't follow my own tips often. Uh, but one thing that I'm horribly guilty of as a kid was was using tanning booths. Like I tell people this and, and uh, I don't know if they believe me, but I've definitely used a tanning booth more than 100 times when I was a teenager and I really just didn't know any better. I can't even fathom doing it now that I remove skin cancers all day. But when I was a kid, I just genuinely didn't know any better. And I actually, even though, you know, a South Asian heritage uh, developed a skin cancer on my chest from tanning booths. And so I, I always tell that. people, yeah, yeah, like in everyone, you know, so many dermatologists messaged me when I posted that video and they said, you had a skin cancer? Like they're even in disbelief because of my age and my ethnicity because it's just so uncommon. But really tanning booths are just so horrible for your skin. And that's why I'm like shouting on the top of my lungs on social media. Like really, I'm not kidding. Like don't go tanning <laughs> and like don't and like wear sunscreen because it really happened to me. And now I have like a big scar on my chest that actually got like infected post-surgery and everything. Oh, so it's just, uh, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you that as a amenity in my apartment back in college, there was a tanning bed in the apartment and, you know, warehouse, if you're listening, that better be gone. That was the place I lived in. <laughs> but and so I would go work out and then it was actually in the gym. So you just sign up. It was completely free. And you just go into the tanning bed. It's so embarrassing. It's and unbelievable. Well, we didn't know. So I was, yeah. it was my gym actually that had the tanning booth. And but so why are these gyms putting in tanning beds? I don't think I've ever actually confessed this to my mom. So if she ever listens to this, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> but um, I was like, I think I was probably like, I had just gotten my permit. So I shouldn't have been driving alone. But I got in a car accident, like a mile, like a small fender bender. And I had told my mom I was going to go see my boyfriend, but I was actually going to the tanning bed. Oh my. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> see those are the best kind of lies, right? Because you admit to one bad thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to hang out with my boyfriend, but actually the worst thing that you were doing <laughs> was going tanning, right? It's like you admit to a small lie, like, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, that's the worst one, I guess, for your mom who probably yeah. is obsessed with sun protection. I'm assuming. Exactly. And that's probably why I felt like I could not tell her I was going to the tanning bed. Oh my. But yeah. So I guess is, we're all guilty of that. So yeah. what other sins do you have other than uh, tanning? <sighs> Well, I've definitely put toothpaste on my acne and even encouraged others to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I never put lemon on my face and I am proud of myself for that. Yeah, me either. I never would put lemon. I put lemon in my hair. I'll admit that because I was okay. told that it would like, I used to play Lighten, soccer growing right? up and it lightens your hair. So yes. it did. I mean, it definitely gave me like blondish streaks uh, that were pretty cool for the summer, but um, yeah, definitely not on the face, but I'm sure it leaked onto my face, which could definitely cause a really <laughs> bad skin reaction looking back. But I mean, you know, you're a kid, <laughs> you don't know any better. It's so fascinating because a lot of people will say to me like, well, what's the worst that can happen if you try something? And then sometimes it just takes so long to go back to normal if you ever go back to normal. So it's like, oh, what's the worst that can happen if I like over exfoliate? 
and put like, you know, 10 different actives on my skin. It's like, well, you know, you may spend the next six months trying to repair your skin barrier and, and that's not fun, right? So it, definitely there is risks with everything, but exactly. I definitely am known to push the limits of my skin and then I go, oops, <laughs> like oh, I should do me that too. again. I mean, there's so many products out there that I want to try. And, you know, I always complain that I have one face. Like the struggle is real. I wish I had, instead of two boobs, just two face. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many skincare products I want to try, but limited by time and face for sure. It's like like when you go and you try perfumes or colognes and you're spraying them on your wrist and you're like, well, I'm at a risk now. It's like, what am I going to (laughs) do? That is so so true. So so there's a limit, right, to what you can try. But I really try to, to, I try everything that I recommend to people, unless it's like an acne treatment or it treats a skin condition. Because then I'm like, I don't have that skin condition. So it's hard for me to say like, this really worked for my acne. But when it comes to like moisturizers, sunscreens, specifically sunscreens, like I I have to try it before I would ever even recommend it to anybody. I don't care how many people have recommended it because if I get a product and it doesn't like it, it has a white cast or it doesn't feel good on my skin, I'm like, I have to try these things before I go out to a big audience and recommend them. Yes, yes. I definitely agree with you on that. And I think people appreciate that too. Well, Dr. Shaw, thanks so much for myth busting with me today, and I'll see you on TikTok soon. If you learned anything today, remember, good skin is achieved by more than just high quality skincare. You got to find your flow to glow. That's it for this episode of Well Connected, a podcast from Murad. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and connect with us at wellconnected.murad.com. Thanks for listening.